0: Please stand with me as we read the word of God. Our sermon scripture is given to us this morning from John 14 and John 16. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. And declare it to you. The very word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Before we uh, listen to the sermon and God's word, we're going to sing Speak, O Lord. So if you could remain standing for that. Lord God, uh, this song really says it all. Uh, We come to you with expectant hearts and minds uh, about what you'll do with the preaching of your word and the power of the Holy Spirit that bears witness to that, O Lord. And so, Lord, we pray that you would take your truth and plant it deep in us this morning, that you would teach us and that your truth would prevail over our unbelief. So, Lord, renew our minds so that by grace, we'll stand even stronger in your promises. We pray, Lord, also that your spirit would give Pastor Andrew that clarity of mind and speech that he needs to teach us your truth. We pray this in your name alone, amen. Please be seated. Well, good morning. I
1: think it's still morning. We've got a couple minutes yet, uh, till it's not morning anymore. Welcome back to the Houston team. Those of you who went, uh, glad that you were able to go and make it there and back again uh, safely. My daughter Zoe and I also had safe travels um, back and forth to Springfield, Missouri. I mentioned traveling because it's not always so straightforward. Take the case of Sabine Moreau. She's a 67-year-old woman from Belgium. She was driving to Brussels to visit a friend, uh, a trip of about 900 miles. Uh, as she continued on her way, she was getting faulty directions from her GPS, and she drove all the way to Croatia, nearly 1,000 miles away. The journey took her across five international borders. She stopped several times to get gas and take naps. Uh, But she kept pressing on until she got to Zagreb, the capital of Croatia. It took her her son a couple of days to get worried about her. They were able to track her down through credit cards. She finally told a reporter, she said, I was just distracted, so I kept driving. I saw all kinds of signs, first in French, then in German, finally Croatian. Uh, But I continued driving because I was distracted. When I passed Zagreb, I told myself, I should probably turn around. Uh, You uh, depend on your navigation system, right? As you are going along the way, in the past we used maps and uh, all sorts of things. We knew what those little mile markers were on the side of the highway, things like that. You know, now we use a GPS, and the GPS tells you exactly how far you have to go to your destination. It tells you your estimated time of arrival based on current speed, all of those different things. But the navigation is only as good uh, as the guidance system, and in the case of Sabine, hers wasn't very good. One of the things that we are told today as uh, people listening in, disciples come after the first 12 disciples, is that we have a guidance system. You saw that perhaps in the text, right? In chapter 16, verse 13, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will be the guidance system. And remember, what we've been saying is that this was so important because Jesus bodily, physically was going away. This one who the disciples had come to love, this one who they had looked to for their guidance day by day, this one was going away. But he is promising them that It's actually to their benefit. It's to your benefit that I go away. Because if I go away, then the Holy Spirit will come. If I do not go away, the Holy Spirit will not come. And the Holy Spirit then takes up residence in our lives as God. Remember, that's what we've said over the last couple of weeks. He is God uh, in person. Uh, He is a person of God who lives within us and provides that guidance for us. Now, just a couple of things here, and by way of introduction, things that we've covered over the last couple of weeks, you know, I've already mentioned, He, he is God, and, and it's appropriate to respond to Him, He. In fact, the Bible goes out of the way to respond to Him in He. In Greek, the, the word for spirit is a neuter. And some of you know how languages work, Latin, Spanish, those different things. Usually the pronoun uh, would match the gender of the noun, right? So if it's a masculine noun, you have a masculine pronoun or even article. Uh, and, uh, y- you know, here we have a neuter noun, but it's given a a masculine pronoun. It, it's a he. Now, Now, why is that? It's grammatically incorrect, but it's theologically correct. The the spirit is not an abstraction. It's not an idea. It's one of the reasons why I think sometimes we struggle with it, because it's the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost, and we tend to think about it in terms of an abstraction, but he's not. He takes up residence as a, a member of the Trinity and lives Within us, and he points us to the other member of the Trinity, the Lord Jesus Christ. He illuminates everything that Jesus has done. I think Steve last week referred to that great illustration that J.I. Packer gives of the floodlight. You know, when you're driving around and and you see you know something illuminated uh, by a floodlight, you're not thinking about the floodlight. You're you're thinking about the thing that it illuminates, and and the Holy Spirit's role is, is largely to illuminate Jesus, verse 14 of chapter 16. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The Holy Spirit illuminates, Jesus specifically illuminates his finished work, you know, his his life, his death, his resurrection, all of these things that we depend on. Now, I'm going to just lay that out at the very beginning here and say, you know, for those of you who are in Christ, and, and what I mean by that is you, you've, you've made a faith commitment. you said, I can't do this on my own. I can't earn my own righteousness, put my faith in Christ, you know, the Holy Spirit is is the one who has helped you to see that. And his, part of his role is to continue to remind us of that. We'll talk about that in a minute. Last week, again, Pastor Steve said, you know, that is the Spirit's role. The Spirit's role is to convince and to convict, to convert, to, to regenerate us, bring us into a relationship with the Holy Spirit, or, or with, uh, bring us into a deeper relationship with God. But it goes beyond that. It's not only that initial. It's not only that initial faith commitment. It's the continuing, playing out of that, and it's growing in that. And the Spirit is involved in that as well. And that's what I want to focus on today, because, you know, it's such a broad thing. Even the term that is used for the Holy Spirit, the the Paraclete. Uh, many of you are familiar with that Greek word that's used here, but it, it's not so easily translated. There's not a, a, a single English word that that conveys all of its meaning. Part of what you can see with that is just look at the different ways it's translated in different Bibles. Some of you are familiar with the old King James, and he, it's translated comforter. You know, we have helper here in the ESV. We have advocate in other places. Counselor shows up in some all of those words are, are trying to capture this idea of the side caller. Uh, the literally, paraclete, side caller. Uh, the one who comes beside and who ministers to those testifying about the grace of Christ. And I want to just ask two questions of that today. This is points two and three. So we're already through point one. Points two and three are this. You know, how is it that the Holy Spirit conducts His ministry? And secondly, what specifically should the believer be looking for in terms of uh, help from the Holy Spirit? So the first thing, just to mention then, is this. How does the Spirit uh, carry out the ministry? And the answer to that is very simply via the Word. You know, here in this passage... We have the 12 original disciples, and they are being specifically told that they are going to be equipped to write out the testimony concerning Jesus. Uh, He is very clear here that the Helper will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I have said to you, or in chapter 16, when the spirit of truth comes he will guide you into all truth for he will not speak on his own authority whatever he hears he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come he is going to be the one who gives them the meaning of that so that they can write them down second peter chapter 1 we see this we have something more sure the prophetic word which we will do well to pay attention as a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone else's, uh, someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever spoken by the will of man except that men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. The very first thing that the Holy Spirit does in preparing the people of God is he inspires these twelve uh, individuals, eleven Judas will is out, so these eleven individuals uh, to write down the the words of Scripture that we have. Uh, he inspires them, carries along, teaching them, giving us the things that are necessary. For our salvation and that's I think what is primarily in view here we have to be careful uh, you know that we don't sort of inject ourselves into this in an unhelpful way thinking that the spirit is just going to give us a word uh, in the way that he gave the apostles a word you know the revelation uh, is closed the canon is closed uh, so there was a very specific application to this teaching of Jesus at this point. Now, that doesn't mean that it doesn't apply to us uh, today. Uh, the way that it applies to us, though, is not so much through inspiration as illumination. right? So now the Spirit works with the Word, uh, and He illumines to us. He helps us to see what it is we need to see at that particular time. Now, two applications for this. One, the first one's going to be a bit more negative, and the second one then will be much more positive, And that's our third point, actually. Firstly, though, just uh, what, what this means for us that may sound a bit more negative. Uh, the Spirit does not work apart from the Word. All right? The Spirit does not work apart from the Word. Let me, let me show you something. If you go to Ephesians chapter 5, and I, we don't do this a lot. We tend to you know, stay planted in scriptures. But I really want you to look at Ephesians 5 if you have your Bible. In Ephesians 5, uh, it says this, Don't get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with With the Spirit, or let the Spirit dwell in you richly, addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody of the Lord with all your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another uh, out of reverence for Christ. All right, you see that? Paul is saying, be filled with the Spirit. Now flip over to Colossians chapter 3. And as you do that, let me just remind you that Ephesians and Colossians are part of what we know as the prison letters of Paul. So he wrote them at the same time, most likely while he was in a Roman prison. Uh, And some of the issues that he addressed are are thematic, things that are on his mind, so they're kind of similar. And and here he says something that's pretty similar, but with an interesting difference. So verse 15 of chapter 3, Colossians Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. So again, some same themes. Now he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Do you see what he did there? So you have the exact same exhortation. With the difference being that he uses the word spirit and the word interchangeably. You know, on the one it says, let the spirit dwell in your hearts. Rich, it's the same word in Greek. Uh, And then the second one he says, let the word. And in Paul's mind, they go together. They're, they're inseparable. The Spirit does not work apart from the Word. Let me give you an example of, of what I mean by that. You know, oftentimes in our life, we will justify an action or a belief, sometimes in a relationship, maybe, uh, you know, an illicit relationship or an affair. Uh, maybe it's a lifestyle. Maybe it's a business decision. We will We will convince ourselves, maybe even spiritualize it and say, you know what, I've prayed about it. I really feel like the Spirit is giving me permission to go forward in this direction. The problem with that is it's exactly contrary to the Word. And and, and what we need to understand is that the Spirit works in concert with the Word. The, The Spirit does not work opposite the word. So if you believe that you are getting spiritual insight and it's opposite of what the word says or it's not in accordance with the word, then I can guarantee you that you are not getting spiritual insight, at least not from the Holy Spirit, right? Uh, And and we, we need to understand this. And then so that's a negative application in a certain sense, something not to do. Don't proceed with something that you believe is spiritually discerned that is opposite from the Word. But, you know, here's the positive side of that is you have the Word. This is why we have it even greater than than the apostles. You know, you know it was interesting in that passage, it says... Uh, he will declare to you the things that that are to come you you can I have many things to say to you but you cannot bear them now they were at that point they were incomplete in terms of the testimony and the actions that were to come we have the completion of that And, and what what we have is the promises we have everything that we need for life and salvation and and the call is to you know, cling to the word, to digest the word, to ingest the word, to saturate ourselves with the word, to be in and through the word. You know, don't look for the spirit to work in sort of these supernatural, majestic ways apart from the word. But in the word, fully expect that the spirit will illumine your heart, will illumine your mind, will give you what you need as you, you know, wait on, meditate on, feed on, delight in, take in the word of God. There is such a promise here, and there's such a beauty, and there's such a challenge. I mean, I, you know, I say this, you know, mindful of the fact we have a lot of young people here, and, you know, I, I just think there was a, a, there's a been a generational shift in some ways. I, I think an older generation that grew up in church, there was an importance of the word. I, I wonder, do we still retain that? You know, do you still believe that that God is speaking to you? I mean, it's, It's been under attack, right? You know, the idea of absolute truth. And so how do we make decisions? We make decisions based on how we feel, what we think. You know, we might be prone, if you grew up sort of in a Christian context, to say the Spirit is leading me towards this. But hear what I'm saying. You know, the, the Spirit does not work apart from the Word. The Spirit works in concert with the Word, and it's tremendous. I mean, it's amazing. I was reading the Scriptures this morning, and I was so helped. You know, I was tired. I was down. The 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 Spirit spoke to me through the Scriptures this morning. But if you're not reading the Scriptures and you're not meditating on the Scriptures and you're not taking time with that, and that's another challenge, right? We're so distracted. Like Sabine, why was she missing her guidance? You know, <laughs> she was distracted. Yeah, I'd say she was distracted. 900 miles worth of distracted. Just drove 700 miles or 600 miles yesterday. 900 is a long way. You know, but they were so distracted, and I think we're so distracted. A- and we miss the opportunity to actually hear from the Spirit, right, through the Word. Now, I- I've got to go quickly here uh, through this last part. So that is the exhortation and challenge. But but here is the beauty in the promise. You know, the Spirit, we've been talking about His role as a a paraclete, as a helper, as a counselor, as a comforter. Those words are used. Uh, An advocate. The Spirit is on your side, believer. The Spirit is your advocate. He advocates for you. He's not just a helper in sort of a you know, cheesy sort of way. I just, that word is so weak in many respects. It's not like it's wrong or anything like that, but it just doesn't get across. Advocate, counselor, these words come out of the legal setting. So somebody who is coming along and who is pleading your case before uh, a judge, who is pleading your case so that you can be administered justly. You've been wrongly accused and you can be rightly exonerated. How does that work for the Christian? Well, you're rightly accused, right? You know, we, we have all fallen short of the glory of God. Romans is very clear in that. So we're rightly accused. But there's no debt to be paid, right? There's no debt to be paid because Jesus paid the debt. And so if we are before the throne and somebody is accusing us, whether it is Satan, who is the accuser of the brethren, or whether it is our own hearts, if we're before the throne and we are being accused, the advocate stands up and says, No, 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 no. That debt is paid. There is no double jeopardy in this system. He is clear. She is clean. Why? Because Jesus paid it all. And justice demands that this person be exonerated. Now, I emphasize that because sometimes we think that as believers, we are recipients of the mercy of God, and we are. But I also want you to understand that you stand cleansed before God because of his justice, and that is something that is amazing. I mean, that you are right before God because he is just. And he will not punish in you what he has already punished in Christ. And so we have that freedom. And the Spirit is our advocate. He pleads for us before the Father. He takes the groans that we can't even decipher in ourselves. Uh, 2 Corinthians 2 talks about, and he translates them. We see that in Romans chapter 8. The Spirit testifies. He bears witness with our spirit that we are sons and daughters of the living God. And sometimes, honestly, the the court where it is so difficult is our own hearts, right? Because that is where Satan comes in, and he would accuse us, and he would say, Brother, sister, what, what are you even thinking being a child of God? You can't be a child of God. You've done this and that, and you've messed up your life in this way and that way. There's no way you can be a child of God. But that's where the Spirit not only testifies before the throne, but testifies in our hearts. That we are sons and daughters. He bears witness, again, see, notice that legal, re- that legal language. He bears witness that we are the sons of God. And this is a great comfort to us, right? He brings to our remembrance Uh, John Owen, who writes on the Holy Spirit, I quoted him a couple of weeks ago. He says, listen, in and of ourselves, we are unable to make use of the promises that are given to us in the word for our own consolation. The Spirit, therefore, recovers them upon our minds in full strength and vigor. Do you love that? You know, I, and that's so true. I mean, day by day, moment by moment, I forget I am unable to make use of the promises of God that are in Scripture. But the Spirit recovers them upon my frail, fleeting, forgetful mind. And He helps me to know that I am a son of God that I have the love of the Father. I am reminded of the glory that he is preparing for me. I am given a sense of comfort and reliance upon God that I could never have apart from this ministry of comfort that the Holy Spirit gives to me. Brothers and sisters, what guidance system are you leaning into You know, are you trusting your own sense of right and wrong? Are you trusting your heart? Are you trusting your own sort of deciphering of the Spirit's movements within your hearts? Or are you taking the Word in all of its richness, and all of its beauty, are you going before the Lord humbly saying, "I, I know that in you, There is truth here, and it's for me because you have shown me how much you love me, right? We're going to come to the table. He's shown us how much he loves us, and he says, I will not leave you alone, but I will come to you and give you another comforter, another advocate, another helper, another counselor who will be with you to the end of the age. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the promises of your word, which are yes and amen in Christ. We pray now that you would continue just to to excavate our hearts and our souls and to connect us to these uh, true and precious promises that are in your word. And Father, we would pray this morning. There's just so many that are trusting in their own interpretation of life and making meaning out of their own uh, inclinations. Father, I pray that they would see that your word is life. And it is only as we make ourselves a slave to you that we find that we're really and truly free. Father, this is our prayer. Meet us, we pray, as we sing now, as we come to your table. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.